Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our lead pastor, Mike Wares. Right, that trip is leaving in, May, in March uh, 6, and I'm just telling you, if you have a chance to go, it will absolutely change your life. I've been down twice, and just what you see will absolutely change you. So I, I want to just uh, say go. Hey, I also want to thank Kudzu Band for uh, what they did. What you guys didn't see is earlier in the early service, we had a baptism. One of the uh, Kudzu people was baptized after they had a retreat last week, and they baptized uh, three others on that retreat. So that's pretty good stuff. Amen. Oh, Kathy and I have been here at Northridge for 10 years, and last year, they, uh, last week, they threw a shindig for us, and uh, a lot of you all sent all sorts of, of, of uh, wishes, and I, I, I just, we really do appreciate it. It's been incredible. It's been an incredible uh, ride here at Northridge, and uh, I'm looking forward to the next 10 years and seeing even greater things happen here. So uh, I just wanted to say thank you. As we begin today, I want to take a, a, just a minute uh, for us just to go to God in prayer, and the, the reason we want to do this in number of people have talked to me and they said, Mike, we need to pray for our country. And, and I couldn't agree more. And so we're going to take just a minute here at the beginning to, to pray for our country. I've got two verses from, from the book of Proverbs I, I want to kind of use as our basis. And the first one's from Proverbs 14, 34. It says, godliness makes a nation great, but sin is a disgrace to any people. And then Proverbs 28, 2, it says, when there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily, but wise, knowledgeable leaders bring stability. If you're like I am, you've watched what's happened this week, you know that we need to pray for our country because it needs to come back to, to where it needs to be, and that's with God. I also want to take just a minute also to pray today. I don't know if you all caught the news, but in Indonesia there was a, a terrible earthquake and tsunami, and there are literally thousands of people that they're fearing are dead. And, and so uh, we want to pray for them. So I'm going to ask you to take about a minute and just silence and just go to God on the, on, on, uh, the behalf of our country, on behalf of the people of Indonesia, and let's ask him to work, okay? And then I'll lead us. Father, our heart breaks with what we see happening in our country today. Father, we know that we need to come back to you. In fact, your word tells us that if we will call on your name and come back, that you will bless. And Father, I pray that we as a people will look to you and return to, 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 to being godly people. Father, I ask that you work in our lives as the church that we might stand and that we might let people see your greatness and goodness and that people might come back to you. Uh, Father, we know that, that, that moral rot, the, the decay that it causes. And Father, I pray that you would call every single one of us to repentance. Uh, that, that if there is anything in our lives that aren't right, that we would be ready to make them right so that we can shine and so that we'll have the influence that we need to bring our country back to where it should be. Father, today our hearts are heavy for those that are in Indonesia. Uh, Father, we pray that, 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 uh, that, that, that the loss of life will be, will be less than, than, than what they fear. And Father, we pray that, that as a, a people that we can pray, that we can send aid, that we can help them. 
Father, we just uh, come to you because we know there is only one way that anything works in this world. It's when we put you at the very heart of it. Uh, so, Father, work in us that we will do that and lead others to know you. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I, I've told you all this before, and every time I say this, people come up to me afterwards and they say, Mike, you don't need to tell people that. So, but I'm just going to tell you, I don't own a gun. And apparently some of y'all are worried that somebody's going to come into my house and, and steal everything I have. In fact, I had one friend, he said, Mike, you need to have a gun, I'll give you one. And he was ready to, to give me one. I said, I said man, I, I don't need a gun. And he says, well, what are you going to do if somebody breaks in your house? I said, well, I've got a nine iron and a baseball bat. I think I'm good. And, and he keeps on insisting that I have one. But I've got to explain to you why I don't have a gun. When I was about 12, uh, 13, 11, 12, 13, I was almost killed by a gun. Uh, my brother, who is five years older than I am, he was going over to some friend's house one day to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, just go do some shooting, and my mom said, guess what, you have to take your little brother with you today, uh, because I'm going to go do something that he can't go. So my brother had to take me, he protested, I don't want the little squirt with me, but there I was. They were out there shooting their guns, and, and I sat there quietly, and I finally said, you mind if I shoot? And they looked at me and said, you're awfully small. And so uh, they said, okay, yeah, I, I guess so. Uh, we've got a smaller gun for you. He says, we've been shooting a 22, and, and we've got a 12 here for you. And it was a shorter gun. Now, let me just tell you what it was. It had been sawed off. It was a 12-gauge shotgun. And, uh, and, and they said, this is a smaller gun, and it's just right for you. I'm thinking, wow, that's pretty nice. I, I had no idea what was about to happen. And they said, there's a special way that you shoot this gun. You, you, you hold it out like this. You don't want it up against your shoulder because it would hurt your shoulder. And I said, okay, thanks, guys. I appreciate you being so kind to me. So, so they, they put something out there for me to shoot at, and I held the gun out like this, and I pulled the trigger, and boom, it went back into my shoulder. It bruised my shoulder, bruised my rear end when I landed on the ground. And I got to tell you, if I had a gun now, I might go use it on my brother, okay? <laughs> that's, a, you know, that, that, that's kind of the way it is, but you know, just like I know, that when you approach something, if you don't do it right, and I didn't approach that gun correctly, that it can do a lot of damage. And what I want to talk to you about today is approaching God. Approaching God. We're going to look in Ecclesiastes 5, and we're going to start in verse 1, but this is what I want you to understand today. This is a sermon and a sentence, and if you understand this, you'll, you'll, you'll save yourself a lot of trouble. Approaching God is a great privilege that must be done carefully. Approaching God is a great privilege that must be done carefully. Can I tell you what you're doing right now? You walked in this room today to approach God. You walked in this room today hoping to experience God in some way. And I would tell you that you have to do that carefully. Whenever you open up God's Word and you want to hear a word from God, you've got to approach it carefully. Whenever you get down on your knees to pray, you've got to do it carefully because you are approaching God. And Solomon, the wisest man in the world, this is what Solomon does. He tells us, he gives us some good words on how to approach God. And so we're going to look in Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter, in verse 1. It says there, guard your steps when you go into the house of God. They had the temple then, there was the tabernacle, and that's where God lived. And what he's saying there, he says, you got to watch your steps when you go into the house of God. Go near to listen, okay? Go in with your ears open, rather than offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know that they do wrong. Do not be quick with your mouth. 
Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It's better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin. And do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow, my vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. Now, now what, what I want you to hear today is approaching God is a huge privilege, and you and I must be careful in how we do it. And Solomon, the wisest man that ever was, is going to give us some important words in how we do it. The very first thing that he would say is prepare. He said, guard your steps. Prepare. Just imagine with me for just a minute when you're going in to meet somebody and this somebody loves you like crazy and wants the very best for you. That somebody that you're going to approach not only loves you and wants the best for you, but he also has all wisdom and he knows, he knows what is best for you even when you don't know. And on top of that, he has all power and can do what is best for you. That is what we do when we approach God. And we need to prepare to go and meet him. There are two stories from the Old Testament I want to share with you. The first one is of a guy named Moses. And Moses saw a bush burning as he was guarding the sheep. And the bush was burning, but it wasn't being consumed. So he walks toward it. And as he walks toward it, we, we, we hear what is said to him from Exodus 3. This is what God says. He says, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. That was God speaking. He says, you're approaching me. You need to prepare yourself. And you need to leave the sandals behind. My daughter lives in San Francisco. And when they come into their house, this is what they do. When they come into their house, they take their shoes off and they leave them by the door. I asked her, I said, I said Amy, why do you guys do that? And she says, Dad, I don't want all of San Francisco. We walk on the streets of San Francisco. I don't want all of San Francisco in my, uh, in my house where my daughter is playing. And you know what I thought? That's pretty smart thinking. <laughs> I've walked on the streets of San Francisco, and I know what's there. And I think that's exactly what God is saying to us. We've walked in some stuff. We've been in some stuff. And, and when we approach him, we need to prepare. And we need to leave it in the background so that we don't take it into him. And so we approach him with care. The second story from the Old Testament is the high priest every year would go into the tabernacle. You'll see a picture up here. This little tent back here on the back part of the tabernacle, it was divided in two places. One is called the holy place, and the second place is called the holy of holies. That's where God was uh, said to dwell. And so the, the high priest could go in there one time a year on the day of atonement. He would go in and make an atonement for the people's sins. And there was a big ritual that he did when he went in to approach that. And this is what he would do. He would confess his sins and he would make a sacrifice for his sin. And then he would take a ritual bath and he would put on this white garment. It was a very plain garment, nothing like what he would normally wear that was very ornate, made of linen. And then he would go into the Holy of Holies and atone for the people. A tradition has it that, that what they decided to do, because if somebody died in there, let's just say he went in with an impure heart and God struck him dead, then, then they couldn't go in. 
So the tradition has it that they put bells on the bottom of his garment so they could hear him moving, and they would tie a rope around his foot in case he died. They took it pretty seriously, didn't they? And it just hit me, do we take it that seriously of walking into this room or sitting down with this book or getting down on our knees and praying? Because we are going to meet the very same God that that high priest met. And so we need to, we, we need to, to, to honor him in that way. So we prepare, and we prepare to go in and meet him. There are four things I would tell you that, that you can do to prepare to meet with God. Okay, four things. And, and I think this is really important for what we do on Sunday morning. Number one is rest. If you come in on Sunday morning and you haven't rested and you're sleepy, you stayed up all night watching football or watching something else on TV, and you can't stay awake, can I tell you what? You won't get nearly as much out of it. The second thing is to pray. Before you walk in those doors is to do this, pray. Say, God, I want to hear from you today. God, I'm coming into your presence. I'm expecting you to say something to me today, and my ears are open. The third thing is just simply to confess any sin. That's what that priest would do. He would go in, confess, and he would take that ritual washing because he realized that he was sinful. And you know what? When we clear our ears out like that, it helps. And the last one is participate. When we sing sing the words of the song, when we give, give, when we take communion, actually talk with Christ and, and connect with Him. I, I'm just simply saying when you participate, you will get so much more out of it. So, first thing we do is we prepare. The second thing that we do is that we make listening a priority. We make listening a priority. Go near to listen. Go near to listen. I want you to understand that you and I are going into the presence of the living God. He has our very best interest in mind. He loves us. He has the power to help us, and He absolutely wants to. And so many times we go in to God's presence and we say, God, I want this. God, I want this, this, and this. It's a lot like picking up the phone and we dial the number, we get somebody on the phone, and we just start talking, and we never give them a chance to talk. I've done it. God, uh, I, I sinned twice yesterday. I'm confessing that. Will you forgive me? I've got a long day today, God. Uh, if you'll help me get through it. God, I, I've got a few needs if you'll take care of that. And uh, bless Aunt Sarah, okay? She's been sick. Thanks. Bye. And I haven't had a chance to hear him. This is a, there's a book in the Bible by a guy named Job, and Job is having some complaints with God. In fact, he is kind of arguing with God, and finally God has had enough of it. And in Job 37, 14, this is what it said, listen to this, Job, stop, stop, and consider God's wonders. Listen to this, Job, stop and consider God's wonders. And then God began to explain to him all the great things that he had done. Psalm 46 and verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I'm going to give you a gift today, okay? I'm going to give you a gift. We're going to take one minute just to listen to God. Some of you are going to think, this is the longest minute I've ever had, but we're going to take just one minute. I want you to do this. I want you to sit up straight in your seats. Okay, you've got to prepare. We've just talked about that. Put your hands open in your lap if you can. Okay, 
And, it, it, and, and it, what we want to do is for the next few minutes, for the next minute, is just to focus on God. If you have a hard time, there's going to be a phrase up here, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is called the Jesus Prayer, and people over the years have focused on that, and boy, they have heard incredible things from God. Uh, if you can't focus, just focus on that and keep repeating it. But this is all we do. You, you're ready, you're sitting up straight, you have your hands in your lap. I want you to take a deep breath in and let it out. And now, just for the next minute, just enjoy who God is. If you prepare your hearts and you step into God's presence to listen, I will almost make you this guarantee, he will speak. Now, I've got one word of warning. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys ever do this, but I do have selective hearing when my wife talks, okay? Uh, sometimes I, I will hear what she says, and other times when I don't want to do what she said, uh, somehow I, I didn't hear it. You can't have that with God. He absolutely knows what goes in, and he knows whether it's registered. And so really the only thing you can do is to listen and obey. The third, the third thing that I would tell you is to choose your words carefully. We prepare, we prepare, and, and, and that's important, and, and then we come close to listen, but then we choose our words quickly. He says, do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be quick with your mouth. James says it differently. He says, be slow to speak and quick to listen. I wish I had listened to that a lot more. Uh, because over the years when I have said things hastily, I have often regretted it. And I think when we go into God's presence, we go in there to pay attention to Him. Uh, all throughout the Bible, it talks about the way that we speak to God. In fact, all the way back in Exodus 20 and verse 7, Exodus 20 and verse 7, this is what it says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. The Jewish people were, were, would hold God's name in great reverence. In fact, they, they would not use it. In fact, they even forgot how to spell it because they, they wouldn't spell it out because they were so concerned with that. And, but this is what we do. I, I, you know, I, I won't ask this question, but this is what I hear a lot of. Oh, my God. Have you ever thought about that? Oh, my God. And God's going, yes, can I help you? That's misusing his name. I, 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 my wife does this occasionally. She makes me and punishes me and makes me watch HGTV, Okay. Now, now I, so I'm in there watching. I'm watching one of these things where they have the big reveal at the end, and I'm watching this thing. And the, the, they walk in, and they see the house, and they go, oh, my God. I'm picturing God up there going, yes, can I help you? And they walk into the next room. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah, you do want me, don't you? And then the next room. Oh, my God. 
I tell you, this is so important. We, we go into the presence of God and we have to choose our words carefully. Because He is the living God. He is the Creator. I, 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 I want you to know Jesus was concerned about this also. In Luke, the sixth chapter in verse 45, He says this, For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so what happens is what comes out of our mouth, what comes out of our fingers typing or writing, can I tell you what, uh, that's what is in our hearts. That's what it says there. Now, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks is another way to say it. And, and that, is, that is so true, isn't it? I know that. Now, now I know that, that sometimes people like to do this thing. They like to binge watch uh, something on Netflix, and they watch all 200 episodes in a weekend. And then on Monday, you know what happens? They've taken on the persona. They've taken on the character of that, that favorite person in that, that TV show. And, and that means they're either going to be a jerk or they're going to be a nice person, just like that person they've watched all week. Because what goes into the heart, what goes into the eyes, what goes into the ears will come out in the way that we act and what we say. So we have to be so very careful. Now, I told you about Job just a couple of minutes ago that he was arguing with God. And then can I tell you what God did? God fired right back at him. He did these rapid-fire questions at Job. And, 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 and at the end of that, what is going to happen is Job's going to realize, hey, I need to keep my mouth shut. He, he asked God, God asked Job this. He said, do you know who hung the moon? Do you know who, who put the stars in the sky? Do you know about the birth cycle of a goat? I mean, there's just this long list of questions. And, and, and at the end, this is what Job says, and this is Job's 40, Job 40. And it says, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. Sometimes when we go into the presence of God, when we're privileged to approach Him, the best thing that we can do is just to sit there in His greatness and soak in who He is and just cover our mouths. So we started with preparing, then, then we went to be quick to listen, and when we've chosen our words carefully, and then the fourth thing to do is we keep our commitments we keep our commitments. He said there, when you make a vow to God, fulfill it. When you make a God to, vow, to God, fulfill it. That means you're going to do what you say you're going to do. You're going to do what you say you're going to do. In fact, in, in Matthew, the fifth chapter, in verse 37, this is what Jesus tells him. This is at the, in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now, what he's saying there, and it's said in another translation, let your yes be yes and your no be no. You do what you say. If you make an agreement with God, then you do it. There are these things called covenants in the Bible. A covenant is when you and I agree to live by God's rules. There's a salvation covenant. You and I say, I'm willing to do what you ask, God, in turn for, for a life, uh, an eternal life. I'm willing to walk with you and follow you. And so that, that's the salvation covenant. And when we make that agreement and we do it, we are blessed. There's another one called marriage. It's a covenant. And it's when a man and woman say, I'm going to live according to God's way on this earth. And you know what? There is a blessing that comes with that. You see, when we make those agreements we, and we do it, the blessing comes. Now, I, I know if you're like me, if you're like me, can I tell you what, what happens sometimes? I, I forget that and I do what I want to do. 
But what it's saying here is when you make that vow, fulfill it. You do what, and when you go into the presence of God, you've got to make sure that you are committed to doing what he asks. We're doing a thing right now called baby dedication. In fact, some of our, our parents were this week. And what they're doing is they're, 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 they're taking a vow and they're saying, we want to learn how to raise our God, children in a godly way. And then they're making a commitment to do it. And you know what? God will honor that. We're in Financial Peace University right now. And what we're learning to do is use God's money, God's way and there will be a blessing to that you see whenever we make a vow to God and we say we're going to walk with you God we're going to do what you would have us to do there will be blessing that comes and 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 it is incredible you guys have made some commitments today you may not have realized it I want you to see these words that we sang earlier God give me a heart abandon wow God I I want my heart to be with nothing for you. Ever after you alone, God. Ever after you alone. God, give me a heart abandoned. Ever after you alone. Gold and silver. Did, Did we sing that? Gold and silver. You can take it. Did you realize you were saying that this morning? Gold and silver. You could take it. I didn't bring any money with me today. That's good. Okay. That's a pretty big commitment. All I want is you, my Lord. That's a pretty big commitment, isn't it? God... Give me a heart abandoned. Only to you. Gold and silver, God. You, you can have it. I, 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 all I need is you. Ouch. Will we fulfill that? You see, because if we step into the presence of God, we've got to do what we're going to say. We've got to be prepared to meet Him. We've got to be prepared to meet Him. And we prepare, we get our lives right, and we walk in. We, we go in to listen, we, we make our words few, but in the end, what's really going to count is are we going to do what we said we're going to do? Boy, those are some big commitments. And I'm just asking you to think about that. As you have approached God today, were you prepared? Did you really want to hear what He had to say Have your words been true? Are you willing to do it? Let's pray. Father, we we realize that it is an awesome privilege right now to step into your presence. And Father, we, uh, we just ask that we have been prepared for what you are going to say to us today. Father, I pray that each and every one of us will listen and hear. I pray that each and every one of us, Father, will, will, will keep the vows that we've made. And Father, if we haven't given our lives to you, that today that would happen. So Father, I'm just asking today that you speak to us. You speak to us. That we might hear. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. About 10 years and eight months ago, um, I took a day off from work because I felt like I needed to go and hear from God.
we were living in, in, in Ormond Beach at that time, and, and I went to a park near Flagler Beach called Princess Place Park. And, and, and I went there, it was in January, it was cold and the wind was blowing. I knew there wouldn't be anybody else there, and I sat down beside a lake. I went with God's Word and my journal, and that was it. And in my journal, I had three to four questions. And this is, this is what happened that day. What happened that day is it set in motion the things that would bring me to Northridge. One of the questions that I had in my journal is, God, what is next? And I just went to that place and I listened and, and I, I, I just paid attention to God and he began to, to open some things into my mind and, and recall some things that people had said to me. And, and at that point, you know what? It, it was setting in motion that would bring me to Northridge. Can I tell you what? That has been the most incredible thing that has happened in my life. And I want that for every single one of you folks. And that's why I preach this sermon today on approaching God because I know that if you will take the time to prepare and go into God's presence and take the time to listen and, and, and keep your words down so that you can hear and then when God speaks to you and he asks you to do something to do it, I'm going to tell you what, I, I wouldn't trade what God has done. And I want the exact same thing for you. When you say, God, give me a heart abandoned, and, 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 and then you do that, can I tell you what? It will open up some doors. It has been an incredible ride here at Northridge. But I tell you, it started in a time when I just went to God and approached Him. I want the same thing for you because I know God has incredible things. But it takes us slowing down enough just to go into his presence and hear his voice. We're going to sing those words. God, give me a heart abandon. And if that's you today, we're ready for you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to help you take those next steps. I'm just asking in these next few minutes, open your ears to what God is saying to you. Let's stand. Let's sing. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.